0: It is a blessing to be able to be with you this morning and to be able to open God's word with you. I will say that I've been here for uh, just about a month now and it is something to know that Pastor Ron turns it over to me as we've been talking about church matters and uh, we were supposed to be talking about the mission of the church sort of for this year. So, I'm prepared to tell you about all these things that we're going to accomplish this year. All these curveballs for Pastor Ron, and you can see him about those later, right? So, no, no, I'm I'm not going to, uh, to take up the mission of the church today. But my hope is that as we look at God's Word together, we will see that the church matters. And I began thinking through how to tie the message, the sermon today, the teaching from God's Word into the church mattering. And I want to just quickly review where we are and where we're going to be today. So we've been looking at the church matters for the last couple of weeks, the doctrine of the church, what makes up the church, uh, how Christ has purchased the church. Pastor Ryan began with talking about the importance of the church, that Christ had purchased the church by his own sacrifice, by his own blood, therefore is precious. He also uh, spoke about the importance of the church being the the vehicle by which God makes Himself known to the world. It is by His church that God is proclaiming His glory in this age in which we live. The next Sunday, Pastor Ryan took up the the question of the church's membership. And as the church is to be the vehicle by which God makes Himself known... It's important and necessary that the church be pure, a pure bride before the Lord. For as God says, both to Israel and the church, be holy, for I am holy. We are to reflect him. He, uh, Pastor Ryan also spoke about the giftedness that we have within the church. The Lord has placed the members of the body and all of us have different gifts, but all of us contribute to the body accountability within the church we're to have a loving corrective restorative discipline where we hold one another accountable to the the pure teaching of the word of god last week brother ryan uh, spoke on the church's leadership if god's truly gifted his church and if we're following the biblical standard then there should be leaders and shepherds among us God is concerned with the governance of His church. And the biblical model that Pastor Ryan laid out for us, the biblical model, I believe, is a pastorally-led, deacon-served, congregationally-governed church with Christ as the ultimate head. We'll be looking at the mission of the church next week. But I wanted to add something in there. I wanted to talk today about the church's message. Have you ever heard a politician uh speak of staying on message not to not to waver from their message but stay on message in fact in this political season that we live in when they get off message is when they do what they get in big trouble right and then one of their advisors comes to them and say you must stay on message as i was looking at this concept of staying on message and thinking about the message of the church First Baptist Ellisville as well as the church, universal, the church that's been founded by Jesus Christ. I was looking and I found this quote. It's not a, it's not out of a, a, a Christian website or a Christian book or anything of that nature, but it's up here on the screen for you to see. We're going to come back to it, but I thought there was wise, uh, there was wisdom in this point about staying on message. When we stay on message, we communicate exactly what we want, to, want our audience to know. We create harmony between our words, visuals, and actions, and we deliver a clear, powerful, and irresistible call to action. We're going to come back to that, but we're going to stay on message. But if we're going to stay on message as a church, the question that has to be asked. What is our message? What is our message? There's a number of examples of messages that you hear today. Maybe you watch, watching TV or you're listening to the radio. I'm going to tell you some of these messages of well-known uh, corporations or uh, organizations that you know of. Just, just think for a second as I tell you sort of their message, if you can identify with what they are. The first one, strengthening community is our cause. Does anybody have any idea? Strengthening community is our cause. That's the YMCA. Strengthening community is our cause. Another one. This is for all the kids out there. Where a kid can be a kid. Who's that? Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese. Right? They've got a message. They've got a message. Where a kid can be a kid. Like a good neighbor... Is fair, yeah, State Farm, right? If you need State Farm, you want to know that they're a good neighbor and they're going to be there. Some message that's being communicated. These other ones are a little bit longer, maybe not as catchy. Creating content that educates, informs, and inspires. PBS. PBS, the public broadcasting system, creating content that educates, informs, and inspires. And then this last one, to prevent and alleviate human suffering in the face of emergencies by mobilizing the power of volunteers and the generosity of donors. It's a little longer, but that is the Red Cross, the American Red Cross. All of these organizations, companies have a message some of them do a better job of communicating it than others, but they want us to know their message. What happens if we don't understand their message? They're they're not a good corporation, right? They've not done good marketing or advertising, right? If they get off message, if uh, the American Red Cross begins uh, wanting to do a Chuck E. Cheese thing where they say where a kid can be a kid, they're going to be off message. Question once again, what is the church's message? Do we stay on message? You see, there's something we can get from all of these organizations. As a church, we want to, we want to strengthen community like the YMCA. As a church, we want to be embodying the children and their families like Chuck E. Cheese. As a church, we want to be good neighbors like State Farm. As a church, we want to educate, inform, and inspire like PBS. As a church, we want to prevent and alleviate human suffering like the American Red Cross. But is that our message? Sometimes the church can do these things, sometimes even to a lesser degree than some of these other organizations do. But are we a duplicate of these organizations? What makes us distinct? What sets us apart? The Lord Jesus Christ has set us apart to be holy as he is holy. So what is our message? As the church, we want to do all of these things. But as the church, we must. Do you see the difference? We must share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is our message. We must stay on message. Throughout the eras of church history, there have been those who have sought to communicate what the distinctives or the characteristics or the marks of a church are. And there's been some variety in that. However, one of the marks of the church that has always been proclaimed and held to is the doctrine of the gospel. The doctrine of the gospel. Look with me at this this quote out of the Belgic Confession. Uh, This was uh, some French reformers in the country of Belgium, before Belgium was created, who put together uh, a uh, a reformed uh, perspective on what makes a church. Listen to this. They They say, the marks by which the true church is known are these. If the pure doctrine of the gospel is preached therein, if she maintains the pure administration of the sacraments as instituted by Christ, if church discipline is exercised in the punishing of sin, in short, if all things are managed according to the pure word of God, all things contrary thereto rejected, and Jesus Christ acknowledged as the only head of the church. In other words, my brothers and sisters, if we get our message, the gospel wrong, we should no longer call ourselves a church. That's how important our message is. So brothers and sisters, let us stay on message. Today, I pray two things are accomplished by the preaching of God's word. As we look at the message of the church as given to us by our Lord, I pray that you will leave today with a clear understanding of our message. I also pray that we will corporately, as a body here at First Baptist Ellisville, reaffirm our commitment to carrying this message. If you would take your Bible and turn with me to the gospel as recorded by Luke, Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, Uh, there's a number of places where we could go in the Scriptures and look at the Gospel message. In fact, you're going to find, and I'm going to argue, that we could go to places in the Old Testament and the New Testament and find an understanding of what the Gospel is. Now, it's always dangerous when we drop down into a text without any context. And in fact, we're dropping down into the very end of the book of Luke. And if you take, which I do, Luke and Acts to be a two-volume set, we're sort of in the middle of this book. So it's always dangerous to drop down into the middle or the end with no context. But I want to give you just a little bit of that in a sort of a, a story form. Luke has laid out for us, he's taken great account to give us a a chronological understanding of all that Jesus began to do and teach. We're told about Jesus' birth. We're told about His ministry. His healing of the lame and the sick and the casting out of demons. We're told by the, the author Luke about the time when God... Uh, when Jesus called His apostles to follow Him. All of this leading up, marching towards... Jesus setting his face like flint towards the cross. For that's what he came to do. Leading to Passion Week. When he will be rejected by those he came for to be their king. Put to death. But then on the third day, when his followers went to the tomb, they find that he is risen. This is where we come in in chapter 24 of Luke. Look with me at verse 13. The city is in uproar. Can you imagine a city being in uproar if a resurrection has just happened? Yes. And it's not just been the resurrection of Jesus. We also find in Scripture that there's been other resurrected saints. Right? So you've, you've experienced, you've heard about this resurrection that's occurred. And look at verse 13. And behold... Two of them, so two of these disciples, two of these followers of Christ, were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And note verse 14, and they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. Now, there's a sort of a big day occurring today, right? This afternoon, this evening, it's called the Super Bowl, right? Now, uh, if there's a great catch on Super Bowl Sunday, you know, sort of a behind the back, you know, pinned it up against your back, and you go to work on Monday, I'm sure no one will mention it, right? No one will mention it. No, that's something that's going to be discussed around the water cooler. Right. You're going to talk about it with those fellow employees who have watched the game. And I understand not everyone's going to watch the game. Not everyone likes football, but you would hear about it. Right. It'll be on the news. If there's been a resurrection, do you think the word has traveled? Most assuredly. And here it says that they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. Oh, there was much to be discussed on this seven-mile journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Look at verse 15. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. Can't go into verse 16 too much, but look here. It says, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? Literally, uh, I, I think of a of a tennis match. They're exchanging words back and forth. They're trying to understand all the things that have occurred this week. And they stood still looking sad. They were not jubilant. They were not elated, excited about what was had occurred. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And look at Jesus' response. And he said to them, What things? Now, can you imagine Cleopas and this follower? I, I imagine them, uh, there's a Yiddish saying, Oy vey, right? And you just sort of put your oy vey. Can't you imagine, Cleopas, I don't know that they did that. I, I, I want to rewind that on like the heavenly DVD player or VCR. I, I want to see sort of that reaction. But oy vey, who, who are you and where have you been? Everybody knows what's occurred here. And you say, what things? What things? And they said to him, note what they have to say. The things about Jesus the Nazarene. "...who was a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning." and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. But him they did not see. But him they did not see. Quick question for you. Did these two... Followers, Cleopas and the other, did they have the events in the, uh, did they have a correct understanding of the events that happened that week? Yes. Were they believing? Did they understand the gospel? I want you to look at this verse that's up here on the screen, Luke 24, verse 21. But we were what? Hoping. This is a past tense continual. They were continually in the past hoping that it was He, that it was Jesus that was going to redeem Israel. They had a hope, but had that hope been fulfilled in their hearts? No. For He's dead, but we've heard this strange thing that He's risen. But we cannot grasp all of this. Jesus replies to them not in a harsh rebuke. Not in a "Oh, foolish man that you are. No. He uh, replies to them using a different term. Even though the the text here is going to say foolish. It's a, a softer term. And he said to them, verse 25 foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Look at verse 26. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? These two individuals who were on the road to Emmaus, it was not that they didn't understand the gospel or were not believing because they had not read the scriptures. They had read the scriptures. It is not that they did not understand the gospel because they rejected the authority of God's word. It's not even that they had never heard the scriptures read in synagogue. It's not even that they didn't believe the scriptures. But they had a partial understanding of who Jesus was and what his word said. That's a very dangerous place to be. Partial understanding, and there's lots of people in our world today who have a knowledge of the events of Jesus, but yet do not understand the good news of the gospel, our message. In Jesus' message, Jesus says to these two, "It's necessary." Jesus is speaking about the ordering of things, the suffering that will be that will lead to glory. And I can imagine that they. it says in verse 28 that the Lord acted as though He was going to go further with them. I would almost miss the exit, right? If the Lord was with me or someone was with me who was explaining to me the Scriptures. I love Pastor Ron. I love you. But I'd rather listen to Jesus explain the Scriptures to me. Now, where was Jesus going to explain these script, uh, to explain these Scriptures? Look at verse 27. This opened up a wealth of study for me that I still have not scratched the surface on. Then, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets. Where did Jesus take them on this journey? To the Old Testament. Moses and the prophets is another way to speak of our Old Testament. And look at what Jesus says. Then, beginning with Moses and the prophets... Jesus, He explained to them the things concerning, what? Himself. You mean that dull, old, dusty Old Testament. There's actually value in it, most assuredly. Jesus speaks of Himself in Moses and the prophets, concerning Himself in all the Scriptures. Now, I don't mean by that that we turn over every verse or every word and we find Christ. But the, the the goal, the telos of the scriptures is pointing to Messiah, a rescuer, a redeemer. This is the message of all the scriptures. And Jesus is expounding it to them. Verse 28. And they approached as they approached the, the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going to go further with them. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us. For it is getting towards evening and the day is now nearly over. I'm at, I, I, I want to find out what else Jesus had to tell them. Right? But they pull him in and say, no, we've got to get off at this exit. He's just ready to keep going. But they urged him to stay. So he went in to stay with them. When he rec- had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, and began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. Now, look at verse 32. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Brother and sister, I have a question for you. I have a question for myself. When's the last time that your heart burned? To understand God and His Word? Has it ever? Oh, brother and sister, there's so much to learn from God's Word. We just scratch the surface of it and we don't understand all of it. But the depths and the riches of His glory and His grace and His, His gospel, this good news, is found throughout it. And their hearts were burning inside. But where had God, uh, where had Jesus taken them? He had taken them to the Old Testament. And if you don't believe me, look again. Look at verse 44. We jump from here. They move to well, what we believe probably uh, to the upper room where the apostles had gathered and Jesus has made himself known to them there. And look at verse 44. Now Jesus, He, now He said to them, These are My words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. Note this. That all things that are written about who? Me. Once again, Jesus is saying this is not just about uh, uh, anything. This is important. This is about Me. In the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms. That is the We don't have time here, but that's the threefold division of our Old Testament. Jesus is saying the scriptures, all the scriptures, Moses, the prophets, the writings, they speak of me. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, do you do you want to know what the message in Moses is? Do you want to know what the message in the prophets is? Do you want to know what the message in the writings is? Look at what Jesus says. He says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer. Do you know that the Messiah suffering is in Moses? Prophets and the writings? That he would rise again from the dead on the third day. Do you know that we're talking about Moses? the prophets, and the writings. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sin would be proclaimed in His name to all, look at this, the nations. Not just the Jews, but for all the nations. It's been His plan from the beginning in Moses, the prophets, and the writings. Look at verse 48. That's the gospel message. Look what he tells them to do. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are been, have been clothed with power from on high. They have the message that Jesus has given them. Now the question is, what will they do with it? I want you to jump ahead. Turn to Acts chapter 1. Turn to Acts chapter 1. I told you, Luke-Acts is really a two-volume set. Just to prove that to you, look at Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Luke, writing the book of Acts, notes, The first account I composed, Theophilus, same person that Luke has written to, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So the book of Luke, a uh, uh, An understanding, an overview of the book of Luke and the purpose of Luke in writing the gospel of Luke is to share with Theophilus, to share with us, after Theophilus, all that Jesus began to do and teach. And we ended with the gospel and the promise of one coming who will empower them and then that they will go out. What do we find throughout the book of Acts? That mission being accomplished. Look, just for example, at verse seven. After Jesus ascends, uh, or, or before Jesus ascends, he's going to give them a mission. He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times and epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority." They've had a question about the restoring of the kingdom to Israel. He says, "It's not for you to understand those times that have been fixed." But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. What message are they supposed to take to those places? The gospel that Jesus has just shared with them and opened their minds to understand. And throughout the book of Acts, what we find is the question, will they compromise the gospel when they're brought before the rulers and authorities and they say no longer may you proclaim healings and preach in the name of Jesus will they compromise when there's trouble within the church and Uh, the, the Hellenistic, the Greek widows are asking the question, our needs are not being cared for. Will they push aside the Greek, the Gentiles, and say, no, the gospel is only for the Jews? No. The question of Acts is, will the gospel be committed to? Will the gospel succeed? I want to show you one passage where the gospel carries out and it's towards the end of the book of Acts. Turn to Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. 26 and look at verse 19. Paul has been called in before uh, to give a defense of the gospel for Felix, a ruler, before Festus, another ruler, and now he stands with Festus before King Agrippa, and he's recounting to King Agrippa all that's occurred, where he received the, the heavenly vision that called him out of persecuting the church to now being one who proclaims the gospel. And look what he says to King Agrippa, beginning verse 19 of chapter 26 of Acts. So King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision, but kept declaring both to those in Damascus first and also at Jerusalem, and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So having obtained help from God... I stand to this day testifying both to small and great. Look at this, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses was going to uh, said was going to take place. Where did Paul go? The Old Testament, Moses, and the prophets. Where did Jesus go to open the minds and the understanding of the gospel to the two as well as to his apostles? The Old Testament. Look at what Paul has to say about the prophets and Moses. What's in the prophets and Moses? Verse 23, that the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Hopefully you're seeing parallels between what Jesus' message was and what Paul's message was. And I would exclaim what Peter's message was when he stood up at Pentecost. The message is the same. Stay on message. The gospel. So whether it's the Old Testament, whether it's Moses, whether it's the prophets, whether it's David in the Psalms, Whether it's Jesus, whether it's the apostles, whether it's the early church, the message was the same. Now, hopefully I've made my case. What do you think our message should be? If it's something different than what the Old Testament, Moses, the prophets, Jesus, uh, uh, the apostles And the early church had to say, if we have a different message than that, do you think that we're doing what Jesus has called us to do as a church? No. We must stay on message. And when we get off message is when we begin to fall into a very dangerous place where we must ask the question, are we truly church? Remember the two things that I said I wanted to make sure you understood before you left today. The first one was that you had a clear understanding of the message. A clear understanding of the gospel. I want to give you what... I want to uh, give you the, the clearest presentation of the gospel that I can. In the beginning, God who was not created, created the heavens and the earth. That means he created everything that is. As a scientist, my degrees in chemistry, that includes all matter, all energy. There was nothing that has not been created. And he created it very good. And part of his very good creation was mankind made in his image, man and female, male and female. He created them, and He placed them in the perfect situation, the perfect place, with but one rule, do not eat from the tree that I tell you not to eat from. But yet the folly of man is this, the one thing that He was told not to do, He sought after. And by seeking after that, He disobeyed the holy God, and by disobeying the holy God, He had to be separated, not just separated from one another, which happened, not just separated from creation, which happened, but separated from God, for God is holy without sin, but now man is sinful. So we've seen the creation of God. We've seen the corruption of man. So are we left in that state? Brother and sister, no, there has been a rescue plan that has been set in motion. In fact, this rescue plan was planned long before there was even sin in the world. And that rescue plan was that the eternally existing second member of the Godhead would come and deal with sin. You see, throughout the Bible, beginning in Genesis 3, all the way to Revelation chapter 21, we have two parallel things occurring. The sin of man, and it gets worse and worse. But we have the promise of God, and it gets narrower and narrower about who this Messiah, this rescuer, will be. It begins with one possibly that comes forth from the first uh, first woman, Eve, but yet he's disqualified for he kills his brother. So we see this constant conflict all the way from the beginning. We see Noah comes. He's looked at as possibly the one providing rest for our souls. But guess what? Noah's a sinner, even though the Lord looks on him with favor by his mercy and grace. We see Abraham, who was set apart, called out from a pagan land to follow the Lord, given promises by God. God narrows it down to the seed of Abraham and makes promises to Abraham to all the nations. We see it narrowed down even further to the line of the tribe of Judah, one who will come forth from Abraham and he will rule with a scepter. Do you see this parallel thought? Sin, sinners, but yet the promise of God. It keeps going we go to the time of the kings and we find that God narrows it down even further to one who is in the in the line of King David. Now, King David loved the Lord, but he's still a sinner. So it's not David. It's not his son Solomon because he's a sinner. It's not any of their sons because we find the kings get worse and worse and worse so bad that Israel was taken out into exile both to Assyria and to Babylon. They come back, but they still have the sin problem. Parallel fault. Sin, the promise. We come to the New Testament. Jesus, the Christ, Matthew says, the son of David, the son of Abraham, he's a possible fulfillment. We read further. He's doing all the things that Moses and the prophets and the writings spoke about to fulfill prophecy. Is he the one? We find out that he is rejected by those he came to serve and save. But yet, he's risen. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That he has taken our sin, paid the price for our sin. But he's not dead. He's been raised from the dead. He's ascended to, the he- to heaven. And he's waiting now for his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. When he will come and rule and reign. And those who trust in, cling to, uh, uh, reside under the shadow of his wings will be there with him. Brother and sister, that's the gospel. That's the message that Jesus shared, that the apostles shared, that we must share To close, I want us to recommit ourselves to that message, to the gospel. If you look at this next slide, just go ahead and put all of that up there. I have a a mentor that sort of laid this out for me. Our good works should produce goodwill by which we have a foundation to present the good news of the gospel. I want you to think back to the disaster relief that we had stationed here at our church. Were they doing good work? Yes. Did they build goodwill? Yes. But if they stopped there, would they be sharing the message? No. It must be shared that the good news is what changes lives. If we never get there, we're not on message. I don't mean that we have to get there and do all three of those steps right away. But if we don't have an end goal of getting there, we are not on message. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we stay on message with the gospel of Jesus Christ, proclaiming it to a lost and dying world. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you and we thank you for your gospel. We thank you for your rescue plan. We thank you, Lord, that you have seen fit to call us to be vehicles by which the world can know this gospel. O oh, Father, work in our lives by your gospel, by your Holy Spirit, to draw us closer to you. Open our minds to understand the beauty, the gospel of, in Moses and the prophets and the writings in the New Testament. And, Lord, we look forward to the day, Lord, when the consummation of the ages will occur. And, Lord, we will reign with you forever. Oh Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen.